Good morning. Welcome, welcome. I'm glad that you're all here. And for those of you joining us at home, God bless you. Um, <clears throat> we began to get notifications from different uh, friends here at church yesterday and today of those who weren't going to be able to be with us. Some are actually sick. Some are just uh, playing it safe in terms of the potential. And so uh, we knew that it would be fewer than normal. But it's good to see all of you here that are able to make it. And we do pray God's blessing upon you. I thought before I actually begin the message, uh, we ought to pray. So would you just bow your heads with me as we pray? Uh, how many of you know of someone who is either sick or has COVID or something like that? You know somebody that does? Okay. It, it's, it, I know some people say it's not real. Regardless of what you think about it, how severe it is, the truth is it's still a virus. And no virus is fun when it hits. So let's pray for God's healing upon those that have need. Father, we thank you that... Uh, there is still and always power in the blood of Jesus Christ. There is nothing that exists upon this earth. No sickness, no disease, nothing is more powerful than your name and your blood. And so, Father, for our friends and those that we're aware of today who are struggling with uh, COVID symptoms, or perhaps they don't actually know for sure. They, they just have symptoms. And in this particular time, it's like you're left wondering. But regardless of what it is, we declare the name of Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God, over every single one of them. We place your banner high over their lives, and we declare that your blood still heals to the uttermost. And we ask God for healing for those that are ill, your protection, Lord, even as uh, in the Old Testament they would place blood over the doorposts and the lintel of a house and nothing could come nigh them, we declare the blood of Jesus Christ over every single one. Those who are not feeling well and those who are home just out of concern lest they somehow contract it and that impact then their ability to make a livelihood. So Father, we declare Your protection over each one. Yes, we're going to use uh, common sense. Yes, we're going to take precautions. But most of all, we're going to rely upon you, Jesus. We ask that your grace would be with every single one in their place, uh, wherever it is that they're dwelling right now, at home, or whether they're at work, Lord, we pray your protection upon their lives, and we declare that their hope would be steadfast in you, even as we sang today, you are faithful, O God. We declare your faithfulness to all generations. Bless each one with your healing touch. We ask in the name of Christ, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Almost uh, 20 years ago, I spoke a series of sermons for Christmas uh, that I confess I really enjoyed. Uh, I don't always enjoy everything that I preach. Sometimes I get done and I think, ah, that was a dud. I should put that one away somewhere, far away. But that series I actually really enjoyed. And I began to think about Christmas this year and realized that the vast majority of you were not here 20 years ago to have heard that message. So I made the decision, somewhat unlike my norm, I made the decision to go ahead and preach that series again. I have a friend, uh, an old timer, who used to say all the time, if a message isn't worth preaching twice, it's not worth preaching once. 
I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, I'm going to take him at his word. He was a much wiser, more godly man than me. So, how many of you remember an old movie called The Lemon Drop Kid? Any of you? Oh, I've got one. Um, in The Lemon Drop Kid, there was an actor who was well-known who actually started in the movie. His name was Bob Hope. And in that movie, he sang a song that later on became very famous because Bing Crosby sang it. And the song goes something like this. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style, in the air there's a feeling of Christmas. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile, and on every street corner you'll hear silver bells, silver bells, it's Christmas time in the city. Ring-a-ling, hear them sing, soon it will be Christmas Day. Now, I confess, I'm not Bob Hope nor Bing Crosby. However, Okay, no one clapped last time I sang it, so got to have gotten better. I think in some ways that song pictures something that is fairly accurate for even this Christmas season. How many of you have been out Black friday i got to tell you, um, I, I do some walking around town and around the area. I drive around. I am shocked, even with COVID and all of the precautions, I am shocked at how packed that parking lot is. I don't know if any of you have driven by. I mean, it is just like unbelievable to me. I go down to get something without even thinking about the fact that it's Black Friday. And by Black Friday, I mean any of the weeks for the four weeks leading up to this. I, I went down there just to get, I forget what it was. I think it was batteries or something. Not, not thinking a thing about it. And I pull in and I realize... I am parking in the last parking spot over by McDonald's in order to get in there. Even with all the uproar over COVID-19, these really are still busy sidewalks filled with holiday shoppers. The parking lots are full. The stores are crowded. People are in a hurry. And I don't know if you've been in Walmart, but safe distancing is out the door when it comes to bargains. I mean, I'm trying to walk down that little aisle there in front of the electronics, and they've got all these little bins full of stuff. And it's like, just to try to get there, it took me a long time to get from the end of the aisle up to electronics. It's been busy. And the picture, by the way, is also accurate globally. Uh, this world is getting bigger and busier every single day. The year I was born... The year I was born, the population on planet Earth was 2,925,686,705 people. The year I was born. This year, today, it is 7,794,798,739 people growing every single day at a rate of 166.5%. According to research done by John Hopkins University, the year I was born, just before I was born, two-thirds of the world population 
listen to this, two-thirds of the world's population lived in places just like Warsaw, places of fewer than 5,000 people, rural communities. Today, nearly half of the world's 7.8 billion people live in urban centers, and by the end of this decade, in 2030, they're projecting that the urban population will reach 4.9 billion people. 63% of the world's population will live in cities. So, way beyond what Bob Hope ever realized, the city sidewalks are getting busier than ever before. And to play off a title by a Phil Silverstein book, the name of his book was called, Where Does the Sidewalk End? I want to suggest to you that some people's sidewalks end at success because everything in their life is driven by the need to succeed. Some people just want to accumulate. They want to get more and more money and more and more stuff. Some people just want to enjoy the sights along the way on their sidewalks, while others just like being a part of the crowd. But most people, as Phil Silverstein said in his book, most people ultimately want the sidewalks to lead home. Around 735 B.C., Jerusalem was a busy city. It had a population that was close to that of New York City, somewhere in that range. Jerusalem was the capital of the nation called Judah, led by a king from the family lineage of David. The king's name at that time was Ahaz, King Ahaz. And unlike King David, King Ahaz wasn't a good man at all. The Old Testament book, 2 Kings, tells us that he worshipped idols and he even went so far as to sacrifice his only son in the fires to the idol Moloch, to the Canaanite god Moloch. Looking at the story from Isaiah 7, and if you want to turn there, that's where I'm going to spend my time today, Isaiah chapter 7, we find that the political situation surrounding Jerusalem was increasingly volatile. The nearby countries of Syria and Israel to the north were looking at forming an alliance seeking to conquer Jerusalem. So God sent the prophet Isaiah to speak to King Ahaz. And Isaiah's message from God to Ahaz was simply this. Don't be afraid. You won't be defeated. And then, in somewhat uncharacteristic fashion, in verses 10 and 11, you can look for yourself, in verses 10 and 11, God tells Ahaz, ask me for a sign that what I'm telling you is true. Basically, God is saying, ask me for a sign so that you can believe me when I tell you I will save you. You see, Ahaz was considering a treaty with another nation it was the cruelest nation upon the earth at that time, the nation of Assyria. And God was sending Isaiah to Ahaz to tell him, don't put your trust in that nation, trust me. But Ahaz wouldn't have any of it. And God says, ask me for a sign and I'll prove to you that I'm going to save you. And Ahaz says, I'm not going to tempt the Lord with a sign. And that sounds very pious. But really what Ahaz was saying is, I would rather put my trust in an evil nation like Assyria than put my trust in God. And in the midst of their 
COVID crisis. Maybe it wasn't COVID, but it was a crisis. In the midst of their crisis, God gives them an astonishing promise. Look at it in verse 14, Isaiah 7, 14. <coughs> Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And I want to look at four things about this sign. Just four simple things, as briefly as I can. Four things that this sign tells us. Number one, it says God would give the sign. Although Hahaz wouldn't ask God for a sign, God says, I'm going to give it to you anyways. He was going to intervene in human history. And it was going to be more than anyone could have ever expected because the significance of this sign would go beyond the circumstances surrounding Jerusalem at that time. The sign was all God's doing. God broke through man's need. Titus chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 tells us that God had a plan. And it says, we have a faith and a knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. I want you to hear that. God promised it before the beginning of time. Before the stars were in place in the heavens. Before there was such a thing as planet earth. Before there was such a thing as man even created. God had a plan for you and I. And he says, I'm going to give you a sign to prove that what I say is true. Here in Isaiah 7, God gives the sign something that will prove he has a plan. And that plan will culminate in Jesus Christ. Now, some of you will remember there was a well-known music group back in the day. Some of you guys would never have heard of them, probably. But there was a well-known music group called the Beatles. Any of you guys remember the Beatles? I'm, I'm looking for the young hands. Any of you guys? No, none. Oh, oh, Connie, the only young one here who actually remembers them. Um, they were a well-known music group that came from Britain, and they hit the scene here in America on the Ed Sullivan Show. I can remember... My sister just fawning over them. Uh, not me. I didn't care, but she did. But following the news of Beatles star, one of the stars, George Harrison's death, today's show anchor, uh, Ann Curry at the time, interviewed a guy by the name of Anthony DeCurtis, and he was actually the editor of the Rolling Stones magazine at the time. And she was asking him all about George Harrison, and he said this, apparently Harrison was the most spiritual of the group, in a recent interview, George said, and I want you to hear this. This is from George Harrison, one of the Beatles. He said this, Everything else in life can wait, but the search for God cannot wait. Everything else in life can wait, but the search for God can't. Now, to be honest, most of us probably wouldn't agree with George Harrison's view about God at all. But I think he has it right when he says, there are some things in life that can wait, but something can't. And that's our need to connect with God. And the irony is this. God's not hard to find. He himself has given us a sign. That's what he just promised. The second thing I want you to get. Not only did God give the sign, the sign would be for all people. The verse says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And that word you is actually plural. The sign would be a gift and it would be a gift to everyone. It reminds me of a story uh, I remember of a, a woman who had a large group of friends and she thought, this year of all years, I want to give every one of my friends a special hand-picked gift that would mean something to them. But 
as is normal for all of us, time crushed in upon her, and she realized, finally, there's no way I'm going to have time to do that. So she gave up that plan and just went to the store and searched through all of the cards looking for the perfect, beautiful card to give to all of her friends. She came across this one card that had kind of gold trim on it and beautiful flowers. She thought, this would be wonderful. This would be such a beautiful thing. Just say that. So she opened up every card and just signed it, love your friend, whatever her name was, put it in the card and mailed it off. Never thought another thing about it. New Year's came. And she thought, well, it's time to take down the tree and start cleaning up. And so as she's cleaning up, she came across two cards that were left from that pack of 50 that she had sent out. She looked at it and she thought, what a beautiful card. And then she opened it up and to her horror, she realized the inside of the card said this. This Christmas card is just to say, a little gift is on the way. And suddenly she realized, I am now stuck. I have to buy every single one of my friends a gift. Well, God gave a gift to everyone. And this gift is better than Oprah and Ellen. You know how Oprah and Ellen do their special Christmas show? She says, you get a gift, you get a gift, you get a gift. Well, God says, you all get a gift. And if God could put a card attached to that gift, as a rhyme with that card would say, it would say this, this prophecy is just to say the greatest gift is on the way. And that gift is Jesus Christ. When God does Christmas... God doesn't mess around. Do you remember what the angels said to the shepherds that night? We read it in Luke chapter 2. It says this, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The prophecy through Isaiah to Ahaz had worldwide implications for all of history right up to this very day for you and I. This prophecy spoke about the idea that there are people on busy sidewalks all over the world who need a sign directing them to God. Jesus is a gift for you and a gift for me. Dort straight from God. How does it feel to know that you're on God's Christmas list? The third thing I want you to see is that the sign would be miraculous. How would you get the attention of a large crowd? If you had to get the attention of a large crowd right now, how would you do it? Some people would just use their voice and yell as loud as they could. Others would whistle. Some would wear sandwich board signs. Uh, uh, some would use a bullhorn. Some would even use acts of violence and protest and terrorism, as we have seen just this year. But when God wanted to get everybody's attention with the sign that he was giving, he made it miraculous. And you would think, if somebody saw a miracle, how could you deny it? How could you ignore it? But that's exactly what King Ahaz did. He ignored the sign. Some scholars, by the way, believe that there was actually a virgin who conceived and bore a son back in King Ahaz's day. I don't know if that's true or not, but we do know this. We know from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, that this sign absolutely referred to Mary and the birth of Christ. Matthew says this, so all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Ahaz didn't sit up and take notice. And the truth is, when Jesus was conceived in a virgin's womb, and when Jesus was delivered in that stable, 
The world didn't sit up and take notice. They were too busy. Jerusalem was full of crowded sidewalks because people were going home because there was a census being taken, much like there was this year. People were too busy just trying to find a room. I don't think it's strange that there was no room at the end because it was full of the crowds of people. Christian author Ken Geyer puts it this way, where you would have expected angels, there were only flies. Where you would have expected heads of state, there were only donkeys, a few haltered cows, a couple of nervous sheep, a tethered camel, and the furtive scurrying of barn mice. Sidewalks filled with lonely, hurting, tired, frustrated people, and people with misplaced priorities. People that were too busy to pay attention to a miraculous conception and a miraculous birth. The fourth thing I want you to get is the sign would be a baby boy. Again, the verse says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Not God apart from us, not God distant from us, but God with us. This wasn't Jesus' proper name, but it was, in fact, who he was. He was God with us. From this point on, from this miraculous birth on, God came and he dwelt with his people. He dwelt with us so that we could experience his presence. John puts it this way in his gospel. The word took on flesh and pitched his tent among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. New York Yankees announcer Phil Rizzuto once suggested to manager Joe Torres that managing could be done better from up in the levels of the broadcasting booth. And Joe Torres thought about it for a minute, and then he looked back at Phil Rizzuto and he said, yes, but from up there, you can't look him in the eye. I want you to know that because of the virgin birth, God came down to earth to look us straight in the eye. Jeremiah puts it like this. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant, which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They shall be my people. The people in the cities, the people in the countries, the people on busy sidewalks, they will be my people, and I will be their God. You know what's amazing about this is nothing changes life like a baby. Um, when a baby comes, you know, a father perhaps takes off a little bit of time to help at home and to get things settled, but for mom, her whole life changes forever. Once you're a mom, you're always a mom, no matter how old they get to be. But when this baby is born, the household changes, the schedule changes, uh, what used to be routine is now a distant memory. Even the rooms in the house have to change in order to make room for this new little baby. Nothing changes life like a baby. Well, God has given you a gift, and his name is Emmanuel. 
God with you. His gift was a little baby. And my question to you this morning is, has that baby changed your life? Has, has this baby changed your work, your schedule, your home, your life? Has this baby influenced your attitudes and your loves, your giving and your service? If not, maybe it's because though you know about this baby, you haven't actually encountered this baby. Because once you encounter Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, your life will change forever. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks. The entire human population on the way to their individual destinations. But a signpost, a miraculous promise changes everything for everyone who's willing to see the sign. Stories told of a priest and a pastor who was standing at a curve of a road and each one were holding a sign saying, turn back, turn. And everybody kept driving by and paying no attention to it. And then they would hear a screech of brakes and then a crash. And they said, well, apparently no one wanted to listen to us. The bridge is out, but no one would pay any attention to us. Well, my suggestion to you is that a lot of people know there's a sign, but they're not paying any more attention to it than to the sign of that pastor and that preach. So the busy, the wandering, they need direction. They need purpose. The busy and striving need grace. The busy and tired need rest. The busy and battle-scarred need peace. And for all of us, we need his presence. We need the presence of God. I, I don't know what you're anticipating for Christmas. Maybe for you, Thanksgiving was unlike nothing you've ever had before. Maybe some of you just ignored all of the stuff that uh, Governor Cuomo had said and you got together. Maybe some of you said, no, I don't feel comfortable, and you got together with a smaller group. Maybe some of you didn't get together with anybody, and you're already wondering about Christmas. What's Christmas going to bring? Well, my suggestion to you is what we need for Christmas not more toys, not more gifts, not more dolls. What we need is Jesus. There's a song that I love. Uh, it goes back years and years ago, back to the 1970s. But I'm going to ask you to listen to it, and the words will be up on the screen for you. It's a song by Keith Green.
I need him. You need him. The truth is we all need him. And they need him. So in the midst of all that we're about, let's not forget Christ. Let's not leave him out of our Christmas. There's been discussion that the politics and the government at hand is trying to shut down Thanksgiving. No more Thanksgiving. And then I've already heard people saying, yeah, they're trying to cancel Christmas on us. Well, i got to tell you, regardless of what happens for Christmas, you can't cancel Christ. He's real, and he is Emmanuel, God with us. Would you stand with me? We need God with us as we're out and about doing that which we're all a part of. When you're out shopping, doing your daily duties, let's not leave Jesus out. Father, I thank you for each one who's here, those who are at home. Again, I pray for your healing touch. Pray that you would restore life and health to their bodies and hope to all who are discouraged and fearful. And most of all, I'm asking that you would be, in fact, for us, Emmanuel, that we would become more and more aware of your presence and that we would carry you everywhere we go. I ask it in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And again,